0: we're seeing this whole vaccine passport situation really take off in other parts of the world more so, I think, than here in Alberta. Our premier has been pretty clear that the province of Alberta will not be bringing in any sort of vaccine passport legislation. We've seen it in Quebec. Uh, it's in place should cases reach a certain level. Uh, Manitoba also doing some things. France uh, really went hard this week, and it led to... Uh, protests in the streets. Things got nasty yesterday. People really angry about the government's passport plans there. Uh, so whenever this conversation comes up, people start talking about human rights, and it's against the law, and you can't do this. And But can you? Because some people are doing it, obviously. Uh, so let's get some idea how the legalities stand around these vaccine passports. What is allowed and what isn't under the law? And to do that, we're going to chat with um, Kara Zweibel. Who is director of the Fundamental Freedoms Program at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association? Um, Cara, is it Cara or Kara? It's Kara, Cara, I apologize, Kara. No problem. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. So, I guess we should break it into two categories to get started here, because we're looking at two different kinds of passports here, government-imposed rules and private businesses. So, let's start with government. Uh, in Canada, it's being left to the provinces. Alberta, as I said, say they won't be going down that road, but other provinces are moving that way. So, legally, what are the limits on this kind of legislation and this government-enacted passport policy? So, I mean...
1: I- Governments, I mean, all of this is very new, so it, it, in a certain sense, you know, the, the answer is we, we don't completely know um, the legalities of it. But, I mean, certainly governments, um, you know, might be able to put some of these things in place. It really depends on um, partly how it's implemented and um, what kind of opportunities there are for people who, you know, for example, cannot be vaccinated um, for health reasons, what kind of um, exemptions exist for them yeah. there's also big questions around um, you know privacy and how um, how are governments sort of authorizing the the collection of this information in different places do um, you know do businesses have the proper safeguards in place to um, you know to make sure that this kind of personal information doesn't um, you know, doesn't fall into the wrong hands, doesn't get used for a purpose for which it was not intended.
0: So when we get the question of you know, people, this is against my human rights, you can't do this, you cannot ask me about my health information, you cannot do these things, it, it, can it rise to that level? Are there human rights violations involved by saying you must be vaccinated to do whatever the case may be, go to the gym?
1: Well, I mean, you know, the issue there is that, so I mean, there, there's no sort of constitutional right to go to the gym, right? right? Um, but um, we do have human rights, codes in place in all of the provinces and territories in Canada, and those say that you can't be denied access to, you know, a service or accommodation on the basis of certain grounds. And if uh, one of those grounds is, you know, physical disability, for example. So if I'm someone who cannot be vaccinated for health reasons, I would argue that that person has a pretty good claim that, um, you know, denying them access to a place is is discriminatory. But Um, it would be different if it's a choice. It, it might be different if it's a choice. It would depend, you know, um our our human rights codes do protect people from discrimination on the basis of religion or um, what some of the codes refer to as creed. So a conscientiously held belief about something might also qualify um, under that
0: category. Now, when it comes to private businesses, um, they they can they have far more license in terms of who they can provide services to, correct? So when it comes to vaccine passports and a business saying, if you want to get on this airplane or if you want to come to this concert or you want to come to my restaurant, we need proof of vaccination, what's the legal ruling around that one?
1: So it's still, I mean, it, they're still bound by these human rights codes. The difference with the with the government would be um, that the charter of rights also comes into play, and there might be a charter claim that, uh, you know, someone's right to uh, equality or to... um security of the person. For example, if you couldn't get into a, you know, any grocery stores, you might right. have a very good argument that um, this really puts you at risk. Um, but if you're talking about private businesses, they still have those same obligations under the Human Rights Code. They can't refuse service based on those prohibited grounds. And they'd also have to look at relevant privacy laws and see, you know, how are we authorized to collect this information? And um, do we have a good reason for collecting it for um, and, and I think it is, you know, I, I know people have gotten sort of wrapped up in this discussion, but I think we really should be pausing and saying, what is it that we're trying to accomplish here? Um, is this really about the idea that I'm, I'm, you know, not safe unless I'm surrounded by people who are vaccinated? Or is it that I will feel safer if I think everyone has been vaccinated? And I think it's much more about the latter than the former for many mm-hmm. people and um and to me that's not a good reason to to ask invasive questions to collect personal information um you know we have to realize that there the risk of covid is is there the best protection for us individually is to be vaccinated but we don't get to dictate what other people do with their bodies, and that that applies in this case as it does in many other contexts.
0: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, and you make an important distinction, right? I mean, if you can scientifically and medically back it up that this increases your risk, um, then maybe it's a different category than it just makes me feel icky. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. I mean, we know that, you know, um, the... The vaccines are good at keeping people from getting seriously ill and dying, um, but they don't prevent you from, you know, you you can still get COVID after being vaccinated and you can still transmit it. So, you know, we might be eliminating or mitigating some risk um, if we're saying we're only going to be surrounded by people who have been vaccinated, but we don't uh, eliminate all of it. And I think the consequences and sort of the negative side effects that come with this kind of system far outweigh any benefits that we get.
0: Oh, it causes so much anger and, and so much, you know, um, dissension. You're absolutely right. And to that end, um, obviously, a number of these will end up in court. That's where we'll get the final decision on what we can and can't do, I think, right? There'll be court challenges to a lot of this.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that there will be, um, you know, if we see people being refused access to places and I'm sure that there will be challenges that will go forward. Right now, a lot a lot of the talk is, is sort of just about what's possible to do and, and there aren't a lot of people that are actually doing it. Even Manitoba, I mean, we've tried to get some information about exactly what's happening there and how it's working and we, we still don't have much information about how that's working and I think there was even something uh, maybe last week that Manitoba was actually having trouble um, sort of facilitating the, the proof of vaccination for everyone. They had some sort of technical issue that was causing problems. So, um, you know, even there, I think there are um, this might be about the messaging again and trying to convince people to be vaccinated who are hesitant uh, more than about you know, the actual implementation.
0: Now, in some jurisdictions, we have seen it where it comes to employment. I know there's a health district in Texas that has said, hey, you can't work in our hospitals if you're not vaccinated. Same thing in France yesterday. Um, In terms of employers' rights, when this kind of rule is made, what are the laws? From what I understand, you can't bring it in after somebody already has the job, right? You can't change the terms of employment.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's not, that that's an area I'm less um, knowledgeable on, but I, I think that, um, y- you might be able to change the terms. You would certainly have to have a, a good reason, um, and I think you would probably have to make exceptions and sort of grand-
0: mm. grandfather
1: people in, in certain cases. It also depends on whether we're talking about, you know, um, a, an employment relationship that, that is unionized or um, one that's outside the context of a union and whether there's a collective agreement. Um, I mean, some of these issues have come up in the healthcare context before um, with flu shots. So there have been hospitals that have tried to say, you know, um, all of our healthcare staff need to be vaccinated with a flu shot or, um, you know, or they need to take some alternative precautions. Um, And in some cases, labor arbitrators and labor boards have said, you know, no, this is not reasonable under the terms of the collective agreement. Um, You can, you know, you can change people's duties. You can... um, tell people that they can't work when there is an active outbreak uh, if they're not vaccinated. But, um, you know, labor boards have had things to say about that in the context of flu shots. Uh, Obviously COVID is is different. It has, you know, different characteristics Mm -hmm. and that would be considered by any um, adjudicator that's looking at this. But um, you know, right now I think think what a lot of employers are and, and should be doing is um, encouraging people to be vaccinated, making sure they have time off to go be vaccinated, sure. making sure they have time off to, um, you know, deal with, in some cases, the one or two days you might feel kind of bad after getting the shot. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the healthcare context is for sure the most um, compelling argument where where you would have probably the, the widest berth to say this is something that's really necessary because we're dealing with vulnerable people, Um but, but again, I don't think it's obvious that this is something that can be forced. You know, we do take the idea of bodily autonomy and personal choice um, seriously in the healthcare context for good reason, and and I think we need to continue to do that even with um, even with the vaccine.
0: Okay, last one before I let you go here. And as you said, you know, we're seeing Manitoba put something in place, Quebec putting in something in place. We don't really know how it's going to work. Is there precedence for anything like this? Can we look at something like this in the past and say, okay, this is what was allowed legally. Is there any legal precedence for some sort of action along the lines of a vaccine passport?
1: I don't think there is. I mean, I, you know, we, we do have some, obviously there are, you know, public schools where, for example, you uh, you know there are jurisdictions in Canada where when you enroll a child in public school, you have to show proof of vaccination or or that there's an exception. but that's a context where we're talking about you know the child being in a um, a long term relationship with the school and um and with a group of people sort of constantly over over several years. Um, I don't think that we have any precedent like this and I, and I think people are really um Underestimating how significant it is to start saying that you need to show proof mm-hmm. of of a medical decision that you've made in order to access basic public spaces. I mean that fundamentally changes the kind of society we are, and I, I think people are um, you know so anxious with, and uh, to get back to normal um, that they think if if we can do this then let's just do it. It's not normal to have to show proof of vaccination to go to a restaurant that is not getting back to normal um you know getting back to normal does it does mean that our assessment of risk might change and it it might mean that we make decisions based on our own vulnerabilities and um and hope that others will do the same but um to, to me getting back to normal doesn't mean that we become a, a society where everyone has to show their papers in order to to move around freely.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting thing as we move forward. Kara, um, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Kara Zweibel, who is a lawyer that deals with these very issues. She's a lawyer with the Fundamental Freedoms Program at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association.